0: In my opinion, the most undertrained, undercoached, underdeveloped, hardest position in sales is a sales manager. And we haven't put out a lot of content really for sales managers. And I'm excited for you to check out the episode today with Gabrielle Blackwell. I've been a big fan of her work for a while. And she's just one of those people whose content that I've followed and <laughs> we just never sort of connected. So uh, she's a business development manager a Strat Business Development Manager at Airtable. So what we dig into today is really her SDR Manager Survival Guide, something she put together from just being in the trenches. And before I dig into that, thanks for checking out the podcast. My name is Jason Bay. You're listening to Outbound Squad, and this is a podcast for sales reps and sales leaders to help you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're tasked with or have a team that's tasked with making cold outreach, through the phone, email, LinkedIn, or on the sales side doing discovery demos, et cetera, you're definitely in the right place. So what we dig into with Gabrielle today, I'm super excited about is how to use data to develop an action plan. So how to kind of comb through stats and look at stuff outside of activity metrics like dials and emails sent and then meetings sent. So how to look at all of the data to determine what to work on with a rep. We talk about building a great team culture and a community on your team. We talk about authentic leadership. We talk about how to run one-on-ones. We talk about how to run meetings. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that we dig into. This could have been a two or three hour episode. So uh, without further ado, check out the interview. And I think you're really going to like this one. And a favor I have to uh, ask of you too, is if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, go ahead and leave the show a rating or an honest review helps us get this in front of more folks exactly like you let's get to the interview with gabriel there's a lot that i could ask you to get started in doing research for this it's uh you're one of those people that we talked about before where I feel like I know you because we like consume so much of each other's content, but we've actually never talked. It's like the second time that we've talked. (laughs) Um, but one thing I'm really curious about is, uh, someone like yourself, like you created the SDR manager survival guide, which is really cool. Um, Did you ever like, how did you come to the point of, Hey, I'm going to have something I do on the side outside of like my job, or I'm going to try to help people outside of my reps. Like, how did you get uh, to that place?
1: Ooh, I I will be honest. This happened before the SDR manager survival guide. Um, The first time it's ever happened for me is uh, I'd probably say like 2020. Some of it has just been like frustration of like, hey, I'm building something that I think is incredibly valuable for the organization. And for example, like an SDR to a AE enablement plan. And by the time that mm. I've built it all out, I've scoped it, I've got all the right people in, we've got everything mapped out. And by the time it's ready to actually be implemented, someone pulls the rug from the entire project and is like, hey, this is not a priority Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's very frustrating. See, like you, you do all the work, yeah. you invest the time, you get the resources, you have the people who coach you and mentor you and give you the resources to build things out. Um, so I remember like this happened to me in 2020, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, I have I I, I know this is valuable. Like, I'm probably not gonna be able to ever realize how valuable it is at the company that I'm at, but that doesn't mean that this can't be helpful for other people. So, like the first time I ever thought about let me just like aggregate a bunch of resources that I found to be helpful. And let me just put it out on LinkedIn and see who wants it. Like that was in 2020. And that really came from a place of being frustrated (laughs) from like, I was like, I know that what I I, frustrated because I'm like, I know that what I have to offer is very valuable. And just because I'm at a place where other people can't see it doesn't mean that others won't. So that was the first time. And I think that's really what got me started in like posting more consistently of like, I, at that time, I think I had a number of people, let's say like hundreds of people who are like, Hey, like I, I want what you're offering. Um, that was mm-hmm. even, I think an introduction to what got me to my previous employer gong. Uh, a senior director reached out to me. was like, Hey, I've been consuming your content. I think it's great. And I want you to come and work for me. So, um, I then had the positive reinforcement from there of like, keep on sharing Yeah. now for the SDR manager survival guide. It's not from a place of frustration, but I started to like pause and think about the conversations I'm having with people. And I started to recognize like, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people who either want to be SDR managers or who are like brand new SDR managers, or there's people who've been SDR managers or they've been SDR managers for a little while, but like they don't really know exactly how to operate more effectively, more efficiently or whatever, right? They're not able to advocate as well as they would like to. And I'm like, wow. So I kept on passing out this resource over and over again. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, let me, let me actually think about putting it out as a product, like more so like, all right, I'm starting to see my own value and what I have to share as being valuable. And I've got all these people have already shared all this stuff with, and they said it's valuable. So like, let me see if I just put it out there to a bigger audience. So that, that, that's really, that's the long winded answer is like, yeah, part frustration. I think the second part is curiosity of like, okay, like, let me see if it's as big as I think it is.
0: Yeah. Let me know if you relate with this. One of the things that I, and the reason for this question is that as I've worked with more companies, what I've noticed is that there are so many things going on between non-competing companies and the people leading the sales teams at those companies that that's one of the biggest pieces of value that someone like me has to offer is just sharing what's working between companies. Was there a realization for you at some point too, where it's like, holy shit, this like isolated thing that I was doing, I didn't realize that basically every company needs this or doesn't really have this part figured out. Was there a moment like that where you're like, Oh, I actually, like some confidence behind it, I guess, where it's, or did you, maybe you always, you always had the confidence. I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think, <laughs> but was there
0: a moment where it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be helpful. There's side. other people that could really benefit.
1: Yeah. Sorry. It was breaking up on my side. Um, but I, I will say, I think, I think I just, yeah, I, I've been mentoring people. I've been coaching people off the side and they're on, and they're coming from all these different companies or even, um, I'll be, am I allowed to swear on this? Cause I swear a lot. I've got a huge, oh, like, yeah. I've got a huge fuck you complex. Like I already know it. Like, and what I mean by this is I think there have been so many times where people will like overlook me for whatever reason it is. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, you're going to, you're going to see like just, or, or people go, Oh, like you're not going to be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z because of fill in the blank. And I'll just go, just watch and uh and honestly like i it's again frustration uh i was working at a place previous like in the past and i had a boss who treated me like an absolute dog and tried to make it seem like i didn't know what i was doing and i just remember telling him i was like you know what honestly like i might not know everything right away but i'm a really quick study and then he got to a point where he kept on like getting after me for things and i was like you know what you could have been my biggest cheerleader but now i need to make you look stupid <laughs> so i was like the only way that i can do this and like rem- and maintain my own like integrity as a person cuz i'm not out here just trying to like take people out was i have to be so good they can't ignore me mm-hmm. so i documented everything down and i started to teach the other like all the other managers at the company who people said hey like so and so is better than you so and so is like see how effective they are and whatever else. I was actually training and coaching them. They were coming to me. They were asking me to join the one-on-ones with their BDRs and their SDRs. So, um, I, I think I was like, I was like, Hey, listen, like if I, uh, I have big aspiration and big ambitions for myself. And I'm like, the only way that I can really live up to that is I have to be, I have to consistently get better. And if I, in order for me to get consistently better, I have to figure out like, How does this how do how does sales development and how does business development operate like at a core level? Like what are the like what are all the pieces to it? And I've found that out more so through figuring out the data, figuring out culturally, like what is a sales development and a business development team really need? And then what do you like and what does that mean for how you show up as a leader? And so I'm like, if we're talking about the same cohort of people, like in terms of the experiences of moving into sales. Um, their first time potentially being in a corporate environment as well. Like they're learning so much. Plus we have the mechanisms of knowing like, all right, at the end of the day, it's going to be calls, emails, social touches, prospects added to sequence, prospects brought into CRMs. Like it's all pretty much the same. I'm like, if we can, if you really understand at the base level, I become relevant everywhere. So I was like, I just was like, listen, I'm just going to be the best. And the best is relevant everywhere. So I need to go figure out like, What are the pieces that are like the same? So I don't know. I went on a full on tangent, but for me, it's like, it really was like last year I gave myself this challenge of like, I'm going to understand the business better than everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. You and I have very similar motivations, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, I forgot about this a couple of years ago. I just forgot about where that came from in sports for me. Mm -hmm you know, through high school and then, you know, being a rep, obviously too, where I had this thing where I was actively on a daily basis, directly competing with people where there was a scoreboard. And then when you go out and run your own business, it's, you kind of lose that, you know, you're not really being graded on a scoreboard and people, you know, sales trainers, I'm very competitive with other sales trainers and not to, not because I don't like, I'm friends with a lot of these people, but I want to do better than them. <laughs> I want to beat them. You know what I mean? Like another thing that just, I think if, if people can really think about what those things are, they get them really fired up. I'll share one more. This company, I won't mention the name. They're a big company that, that is a tool for video prospecting. So there's a few of those, but I was meeting with their partnership team <laughs> a couple of years ago. And the guy said something along these lines. He said, I don't think we could really do a partnership because you're not. And he inserted a couple people's names who you would recognize that are really popular in the tech space for sales trainers. And I was like, fuck you, dude. was what I was thinking. Yep. yep. I was like, you're, I was like, you're going to want to sponsor with me later. And I'm going to say no, and I'm going to actually do it with your comp, your comp, uh, competition instead. Yep. You know, that stuff. I totally, I totally hear you. I totally yeah. get that.
1: I had a conversation with someone yesterday and I was, uh, I had been turned down for an advisor role, advisory role. And and it was a weird thing. So like, Hey, bring you in. We want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, great. The next thing we know, it's like, actually we're going to go with these people. And they were like much bigger folks. And I was like, they're like, yeah, we basically have like what you could offer. We already have covered fast forward a year. And I'm like, wait a minute. You can't, you can't cover me. Like nobody's like me. Number one. So like, you're (laughs) sadly mistaken. Like, I was like, sorry, sorry person, but you're wrong um but yeah. whatever your <laughs> loss not mine I'm awesome so I, yeah. I, that's my mantra it's like I'm I'm like so I'm I'm awesome I don't know what else to tell y'all like period um but I think there is I, I'm I'm I think the folks who like I I like resonate a lot with or the person I think of is like Michael Jordan like if you watched like the last dance and you start to realize like he would just make up fights to like turn it on yeah. And so I, or like, you know, Kobe Bryant, he gets into like the Mamba mentality. He's not like Kobe, like he's not Kobe Bryant anymore. So there's yeah. there's like a stage of competition that I feel like I have, which is this world that I'm in now and like SaaS sales, like sales development world. Um, and even still, I'm like, when people are like, oh, you know, like just an SDR or like, hey, why do you want to stay an SDR leader? Why not like graduate to or grow up into a sales leader? And I'm like, my job is hard. Okay. Like I'm the yeah. best leader. I am like it. Actually, you have a lot to learn from me. So I can't wait to yeah. prove that to you. You're going to be so silly. You're going to look so silly in six months.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that level of confidence I think is so important. It's, it's something I'm always working on too. You know, nice. and I think what's really, what is really awesome about you and your story is that you're able to have that in the beginner's mindset also, just like, cause I'm a huge Michael Jordan, uh, and Kobe Bryant fan. It's like much like these guys, the thing that part of Kobe's story that I love the most was when Michael Jordan during his, uh, the speech that he gave at Kobe's funeral, mm-hmm. he was talking about how much Kobe bothered him all the time you know, reaching out to him and like wanting mentorship and calling him at three in the morning. I was like, this guy is relentlessly pursuing what he wants and he knows that he's the best, yet he has this beginner's mindset where he's just thirsty to learn. Mm. You know? How do you think about balancing those two? Or is that something that you think about?
1: So I think there's a distinction between confidence and and cockiness. And no. and this is something I've shared with my reps too, because I've I've had people that I've managed who are like, I'm the best. And you can't tell me otherwise. And I was like, number one, you're not performing, you haven't hit any of your KPIs. Like, I was like, <laughs> you, I was like, you can, I'm like, you're being cocky right now. Right? Like, to me, yeah. when I, I got when I think about confidence now, for me, it's more so like an optimistic perspective. And it's also um, I think with that, so with this optimism, all it means for me is, uh, I don't know a lot of things. Like we can have an entire, you know, that library in beauty and the beast, like all those books, that's the whole library of all the things that I don't know, but I know my strengths and I'm confident in my ability to lean on my strengths to get me to where I want to go. And so like, I think for me, the confidence comes from like really knowing who I am Knowing what I've gone through, knowing how I've overcome, and that this job that I'm in right now is nowhere close to the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life. So, like I just have as much fun as possible, like enjoying the ride. <laughs> you know so like, and I think yeah. all and part of the confidence comes from like consistently proving to myself that I am, like so much more than in the past, I ever really gave myself credit for. So, um, I tell this to my reps, and I tell this to people that I mentor or people that I'm talking to, whoever. And when I see them holding themselves back, I I really just tell them a story of like, all right, me in high school, me in college, for example, I was like, I didn't really give my best effort at all. And then I was, and then I'd be worried about like, oh, well, I'm really anxious. I'm really insecure. And I was like, it made a lot of sense because I wasn't actually doing the work to be confident. I had not yet put myself Mm. in a position to be validated. So I'm like, if I'm not putting forth the work, right, then- then it makes sense why I'm not confident. I haven't given myself a chance to be confident, but I'm like, but if I'm optimistic in the sense of like, Hey, even if I haven't done the work, I'm optimistic in my ability to become more confident, to become more sure of myself, to prove to myself. And of course, like everybody else that like, I'm way better than people's and, and my own potential, like initial estimation of what I can do. So like that that to me is, is really, it is like reflecting on the times I'm like, all right, there's a lot of things that I missed out on. I don't want to put myself in a position to be looking back at my life and going, I never gave myself a chance to be great. Um, And the only way that I will become great is if I consistently grow and improve and own up to the areas that I'm not great in. And there's so many, but again, I, I love the journey, right? More than the judgment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's uh, it reminds me of before I So it was like 2013 was when I left my corporate job to kind of start consulting and stuff. The year before that was this year that went by where I didn't grow or develop at all in my career. I just went through the motions. I was living in Southern California and just, it was just, Hey, same thing every week, Mm -hmm. work just enough and then go out and drink and do happy hours with my friends and spend all of my money. And, and then a lot of then some, (laughs) you know, and
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh that thing for me, it sounds like a lot like with you, that just burned this like place in my brain that was like, you can never allow that to happen again. You cannot let a whole year go by where you just coast, dude. You know? Um, I think it's a really good lesson. You you brought up something I want to circle back to earlier, and this is part of the stuff that you get into yeah. in the survival's guide. But one of the things you talk about a lot is using data. Mm. So Let's maybe just kind of start high level. How do you think about using data in your current role?
1: Ooh, you said high level. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> there's so many levels. Um, here, the the thought that I have there's in my role. What I need to do is I need to coach. Um, I need to manage um manage both ways i need to manage down to my reps manage up to leadership um i need to develop my reps and get them ready for promotion hopefully or i need to get them out of the seat that they are not a good fit for so like there's a lot of decisions that i really need to make in order to fulfill any one of those and the what i found is if i am only making decisions off of opinions I'm probably like my hit rate of making a good decision is going to be pretty low. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so how I think about using data is to increase my effectiveness in making good decisions.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm really proud yeah, of myself that I answered it in that way. I didn't go on any tangents. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> you will you know what's what would be worse is if, if i was going on the tangent you know you're the guest you're supposed to go on tangents you know what it i mean happens. um
1: as it happens i go on to things and people went on a tangent and i'm like wait a minute i'm the guest i yeah. go on the tangents okay yeah. what is this there's a double so- standard i know okay <laughs>
0: I love the the way you're thinking about that. I increase the hit rate of the amount of good decisions that I can make. Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways that we could take this, but you mentioned coach, manage, and develop. Let's talk about those three buckets. Like, what are the differences? I think that's really important to understand. What are the differences between those three things, and how do you use data to help you in those areas?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. So I'm gonna th- I'm gonna think about coach is I'm probably going to look at this from, um, a team level, right? Like what are the themes? What are the trends for my team that as a team, I really need to focus in on for skills. So let's say that I'm seeing that across the board, every one of my, like every every, across the board, the team's only hitting about 40% of our call numbers. Right. I was like, I need data to know that number one, but I also need data to figure out like, uh, if I come up with a plan, what is the effectiveness of my plan? So like, mm-hmm. I come up, I'll come, probably come up with a coaching plan for my team. Uh, hey, I'm going to come up here. Yes, there's going to be some training and things like that. But in our one on ones, I'm going to reinforce that I'm going to have you show me the work as well. Like, show me that you can do like this base, like kind of like here, are like the, the basic aspects of the job that you have to do. And you have to be really, really good at it to be really good at this job. So I'm going to coach you on that. And so the coaching is like one part I means Whatever this is the way I'm thinking about it. To me, the coaching is one part, making sure that I've taught you how to do this, but also another coaching part of this is show me the work and let me validate you along the way or refine what you're doing and then re- and validate you along the way. Like that to me is like the full coaching practice. It's both showing you the how, having you show me validating or refining. That to me is coaching until you get to a really great place managing to me is more like we manage like we manage processes like that's the way i think about management I, I i manage a process i manage to a policy for example so um i'm trying to think if uh like i like managing people to slas hey to me just going like having a dashboard for example like that to me is part of a management practice it's like hey we need to be hitting not like 90% of the time we need to be hitting our service level agreements for MQLs here, pull up the dashboard. Okay. You're at 87, right? This is me going, you have to do this. So like that to me is just making sure that people know like you have to do this or managing up is like, Hey, we have, you want my reps to hit 90% of like uh, hit it 90% of the time we're hitting our SLAs. However, here are all these things that stand in the way. And here's the data to prove out why we're missing. So like, I realize you want to manage this down, but we actually don't have the resources to do, like to meet those expectations. So, I'm going to manage this up with you to set your expectations now. So I think the like, managing down is like, here are the expectations managing up is like, hey, we need to readjust. And I think the last piece in terms of like developing, I'm thinking more so about like, all right, BDRs, SDRs, there's, there should be a life cycle, which is they come in and they get out, hopefully they're being promoted. Yeah. And so there are things they are going to have to do within their first three months, right? Things are going to, need to do in their, their three to six month. And like, as they're moving through these cohorts, certain skills they need to develop that make the most sense. And as we get them ready for whatever their promotion path is, it's like also making the shift of like, Hey, you're no longer thinking just about what you thought about three months ago, it's now we're like teaching you new skills. That's going to help you on to that next life cycle in your career. So that's what I think about like the development kinds of thing. Got it. And that's much, more, uh, that's much more individual. Like it's an individual basis versus you know, to me, like coaching and training. Granted there's individual aspects to it, but I, I likely think about that probably more in a, a team based setting.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's dig into these. So, with the coaching element of it can you start with like i don't know when do you typically do you like on a monday or a sunday prep for your meetings like when do you look through the data the mm. dashboards when are, when when are you looking at that stuff to to prep
1: I don't want to do it on Sundays. I don't want to work on the weekends anymore. Jason. Me neither. (laughs) No. um, I mean, once I don't, it could
0: be a weekend warrior. I don't, you know, we're just getting to know each other. You know what I mean?
1: I'm (laughs) a a zombie. I am an absolute zombie. Do you know, you know how much energy it takes to be like this during the week? I'm out all the weekend. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. Um, Well, for me, I, I've, I have like assets that I've built for myself where it takes me two minutes to plug in some values into a spreadsheet and it pretty much tells me everything that I needed to know. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, like, I, on a, let's say it's a Monday morning, uh, my first meeting starts at nine. Um, I actually have a calendar block 30 minutes after my first meeting where I'm like, I'm literally just reviewing numbers. Or I'll review it right mm-hmm. before that, like, but right before, actually, it's probably right before, like, review the numbers, go into the meeting, share those numbers with my team. I, I might go back in again, refresh a little bit more, prepare for my forecasting meeting that I have with my boss and her boss. So that's really how I think about like looking at the numbers. It's going to be beginning of the day on Monday.
0: What numbers are you looking at?
1: So for my team, for there's like pacing numbers that I look at. So it's just looking at like, hey, where are we like, yeah, where are we pacing to hit? for our, like for our quarter, um, like if we're pacing ahead, what's contributing to that or behind what's contributing to that. So then I'm also looking at like, what is our activity in terms of like, Hey, like, are we making the calls? We're we making the emails. Are we having the right number of conversations? And then I also will look at effectiveness metrics. So just like call to connect email, reply rate, I'll look at based on the number of connects, how many are actually converting into demos or like are, are meetings booked. I'll look at how many meetings are actually running. I'll also look at how many meetings are converting over into opportunities. So typically when I look at that, again, if we're pacing ahead, I'm like, oh, we're pacing ahead because we are actually like we've been able to double the number of conversations that we've had. If we were running campaigns specific towards that, then I'm like, great, I have it, wonderful, right? And if not. Then I can go, what's the bottleneck? And let's address that. And that's what we coached on this week.
0: Got it. So you're looking at overall activity, the effectiveness. So that's the, with the activity that we're putting out, what are the reply rates, open rates, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that kind of stuff, pickup rates on calls. And then how many of those are generating meetings and then opportunities. And then wherever you see increases, decreases, wherever, do you usually pick one thing. Each yeah, week thing. to work on with the team. Okay, the
1: can
0: that's you that. just double click on that? Why? Why one thing? I know it might be an obvious answer for you, but, but why? You know, why one thing and not three? You know. Uh,
1: well, here's um, I, I feel like I got this from KD. One, it's <laughs> probably the biggest one because because Kevin yeah. Dorsey told me to do it. Um, uh, that's the number one reason. <laughs> no, um, I here number one like. E- People are going to get overwhelmed very easily the more things that you throw at them. If you say, hey, I want, well, number one, I want really focus on like, what is the one thing that's going to have the biggest impact this week, right? Everything else, if it takes three months to develop, we don't care about that right now because that's not going to have the biggest yeah. impact right this very second. So I'm like, all right, if we get really good at this one thing right now, then we can move on to the next one. But I think one of the biggest things that I've 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 experienced over and over again, where I've told people, like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things, but nothing very well. Like people, especially in the SDR BDR position, they deserve to feel like they're doing one, at least one thing really well before you move them on to the next thing. It helps build confidence. And I think this whole job of SDR BDR world is about building confidence. If they're not confident, yeah. they're not going to do a good job.
0: Love it. That's I'm bookmarking confidence because I, I definitely want to come back to that. So yeah. you have the numbers. The numbers tell you kind of what to work on. How do you structure the coaching training through the week? Is it a once a week? We train on something for 30 minutes and then we follow up on one. It's like, how do you structure the coaching both from a training standpoint where you're teaching yeah. the entire team? When you do your one-on-ones check-in, like how does that kind of cadence typically work for you?
1: Yeah. So for my team, like I have recurring meetings, like they're always Mm -hmm. there. Um, So that's part one of it. So like Monday morning, we do like more like a recognition meeting because there's certain things that I like certain behaviors that I want my team to demonstrate. And so I have an entire recognition thing that calls out when people are demonstrating those behaviors. Then on a Tuesday, we'll do a Tuesday topic. And so that's kind of like whatever's, whatever's going on Thursdays. We have it set. Like it's a prospecting power 30 minutes. Like this is, this is something that everybody can always get better at. So it's like, we're always going to be prospecting. So we're always going to work on it. And then on Fridays I have, um, uh, I used to have an enablement hour, but we're, we're working on like, uh, personalizing emails because we're going to have to do that forever and always. So within that schedule, Tuesdays, like a Tuesday topic would be a great time to focus on the coaching. I also do one-on-ones Tuesdays and Thursdays. So like They get it, two
0: one-on-ones each rep get, or
1: Yeah, each rep get another another Kevin Dorseyism. <laughs> so like yeah. uh it so it's because and I break out um so okay, there's a the team part, there's an the individual rep part. So in the team part, it's like, "Hey, this is something that as a te- like one if, if it's impacting more than two people, that's a team problem because I have a pretty small team right now, right? So I'm like, hey, if this, is yep. impact, if this is impacting 40% of the team that I know of. It's probably impacting more people than it, than I think. Or there's one person on my team who's really good and I need to create and facilitate a conversation where they speak up a little bit more. So that Tuesday topic becomes really great for it. So if I know that like – so this week, for example – I did it. I'm like, all right, we need to hit our KPIs. We're not hitting our KPIs. I go through and I look at the data to go, what are we spending our time on? And I realize, wow, y'all don't have enough time to actually be able to hit these KPIs. Tuesday topic comes in. I show them the data and I go, what can you all eliminate? Right? Now, what do you need to put on your calendar? Show me your calendar. Then we get into our one on ones. We run through our regular thing. And then I'm like, hey, confirm. Show me your calendar. Where did you put it on? Do you feel really good about this? When we do our check-in on Thursday, hey, like, have you actually followed through? Is it on your, again, is it on your calendar? How's it been following through on, on it? It's been working really well. Awesome. What's helped? If it's not working really well, great. That third, that, like that second one-on-one becomes, now we're going to workshop this, right? Got we're going to spend 30 minutes to workshop it until you feel really comfortable. And next week we're going to confirm. Right. So, if one person gets it faster, then we don't need to reinforce the following weeks. But if someone's struggling a little bit more, right, like that becomes our one focus. Cause I'm like, this is the biggest thing. Like, if you cannot make calls, if you cannot make emails, you cannot get your job done. So, for yeah. step one.
0: Yeah. Love it. So, the Tuesday topic is it 30 minutes, 60 minutes? How long? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Okay, so this is like bite-sized stuff. I love that. Yeah. So going through the numbers, we got the structure of the week. I love that you do two one-on-ones. So there's lots of intentional time. This is the thing I don't understand with managers is what are you doing if you're not doing this? If you're not spending the time coaching your people, what are you spending that time doing? Where where do you think that most people get bogged down?
1: Um I think one part of it is just like being busy. I also think I'll say this. I do think that people have one-on-ones and team meetings. What might be missing is the objective of the meeting and like, hey, what? How do you know if it's working really well? So, for example, there was a time where I had a bunch of meetings on the calendar. uh, Like, you know, COVID hits, everything shuts down. I knew I had a team that like liked to be connected, and they're now in this totally new world. And so I was trying to figure out how can we simulate being in the office, right? And having these moments that people really, like it really grounded us as a team. But as we became more, um, as, as we adapted more to work from home, it's like, oh, right, we don't actually need these meetings. Like it's just part of a change process. That's it. And as soon as it's done, it's done. What I can easily see happening in one-on-ones is managers come in and they go, hey, BDR, what do you want to talk about today? And that's the, that's the meeting agenda. Nothing, nothing, nothing gets done. There's no reviews to make sure that, Hey, like from a numbers perspective, are you actually pacing to hit your number? Yes or no. Do you know where you stand today? Right? Like how many calls are you averaging? How many, how many emails are you averaging? If you keep that up, are you going to be able to hit your number? And if not, like, where do you need to get better? Where do we need to focus on Thursday? And so I, I think, I think there's a lot, I could imagine that Potentially, because I, I used to do this of just coming in and going, just making like the one on ones weren't valuable to the reps because they lacked no. structure, they lacked intention, um, they weren't really suited to make sure that BDrs knew exactly how they were pacing for the quarter and what was at play and what they needed to do, um, uh, or they weren't getting coaching and development because you kind of just like had this manager who was being more of an executive than an actual like frontline manager. So I think there's some stuff that's, it's also dependent upon the organization. Like, do you have one sole BDR manager, SDR manager who's expect, who's literally, who's actually a director, right. But is expected to like manage and recruit and train and enable, but then also be at every single leadership meeting at the same time too much. That's too much context switching. So I, yeah i think it's probably two parts like organizationally speaking like bdr managers pulled in too many different directions and i think secondly as well is there lacks objective and value for the bdr in the actual one-on-ones themselves
0: yeah let's spend a bit of time on the one-on-ones uh first the prep Hmm. what do you have a rep do to prepare for your one-on-ones
1: so, I have like my pacing sheet. Like, there's the formulas that, uh, the, like, the formula sheet that I have for my team. I have my reps fill that out individually for themselves, too. So, yeah, they are like, listen, you own your number. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, like if you, like I was, this might sound like a, an a hole move, but I was like, listen, y'all, uh, if the team hits their number, I'm good, right? If you don't hit your number, I'm still good. So, you need to own your number more than I do. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to get there. Um, but also like, I was like, I can't do more work than you for you to hit your number. So I think just from an agreements level, having them own their number, own pulling the data, inputting the data. Right. Cause I'm like, for me, I know if I'm putting in data and it says that I did not do my job last week, I'm like, shit. Yeah right? I don't like oh yeah. that's less work that I have to do as a manager. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I think so that that's, so I, I have them put in their numbers, right? The same numbers, the inputs, conversion rates as well. Uh, just kind of like, Hey, what are the themes and trends in terms of activity and conversion?
0: Got it. So they come into that one-on-one and then how, how long is a one-on-one typically? And what's the kind of loose structure of a yeah. one-on-one look like?
1: So the first, so there's two one-on-ones in a week. Each one is 30 minutes. The first one is focused on, uh, I'll call like, um, a numbers review as well as, uh, goal setting and this, and like, we're coming up essentially with an action plan for the week. Right. So that's the beginning of the week. So, Hey, like, so a a BDR would come in and say, um, you know, I'm pacing at, uh, I'm pacing at 75% of my number, right. Like with, uh, with this many ops, created this many meetings booked these many futures on the calendar to occur this commission cycle here's where i'm pacing in order for me to pace to 100 percent of my number i need to be booking this many meetings this week and then i have them actually walk me through point me through what is your strategy for getting those seven right like what are the accounts what is uh what like what line of business point to me specifically who and why like why should they get a meeting so um there it's it's like one, it's like a nice inspection check to make sure, like, hey, do you do you have a plan? Number one. Do you know what you need to no. do on a weekly basis? And then to the strategy piece of like, like I've had people who they come in and they're like, hey, I'm I've met with my AE. We're focusing on these three accounts. I can get these four meetings from this one account using this messaging, right? Like they know exactly what they need to do. And these are the reps who always hit their number. Easy, right? Then you've got reps who come in and they go well, I'm just going to send out this campaign. I'm like, to who? Right? And I was like, so I'm like, we need to focus on strategy, actually. Like, this is not this is not like a cold call problem, cold email problem, it's a strategy problem. So um, that's that's really what they prepare in the first one-on-one. And also what we're doing is like figuring out, um, like, hey, like here's here are the meetings that I need to book this week. It's looking at, okay, what's one thing if, if there's a roadblock that's blocking their performance, what's the one thing we need to do to remove that roadblock, right? So um, I use the strategy as someone's like, hey, I basically just tell me I have no idea how I'm going to hit my seven meetings. Number, none whatsoever. We'll go back to the numbers and go, let's pick one thing. It's kind of like a theory, right? Let's pick one thing mm-hmm. that both you and I feel like is a great use of our time when we come into our 30-minute coaching meeting or one on one on Thursday. And so it's like, hey, here's that one thing. And we're going to come up with a plan, a development plan for a one-on-one. Here's what I need you to come in prepared with, and here's what to expect in that. So sometimes this could be uh let's say like I've got someone on my team, they keep on running into the not interested objection on cold calls, and that's what's impacting their like connect to meeting booked number. Then it's like, hey, we're just going to role play not interested. That's all we're gonna do for thirty minutes until both. This is a, I got this from Kevin Dorsey. This is what you and I are gonna do until both you and I feel really good about it. All right, and so like, yeah. cool. So we're like, okay, cool. You now you know how to answer not interested. Go call now, right? And we end.
0: Yeah, so that second one-on-one is heavily focused on coaching, and role playing, and just doing the doing the thing. Yeah, this is a. I find that with the orgs that I work with, the one-on-one is a bit of a mystery. You know, they don't, uh, they aren't really, the managers are not, that's a topic for another podcast too. The amount of, or lack of enablement for managers is insane to me. But, um, okay, let's shift gears a bit because mm-hmm. we went like, we went way deep. <laughs> let's, only way to be. Because another thing I want to make sure we talk about is culture. That's a, that's a big thing for you. So how to, um, build a great culture, have a community, you know, something that's open, inclusive, all that kind of stuff. How, how do you work culture, I guess, into the things that you focus on and work on during the week? How do, how do you think about it?
1: I'm so glad you asked me this question. So we're, you know, just calling back to people who questioned me and I'm like, you're going to find out someone's like, I remember telling him, I was like, listen, the way that my team hits its number is we need to focus on culture. He looked like at me, like I was crazy. And I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm like, you're going to find out, right? Focus on culture for three, no, two months, two months, right? Everybody on my team hit 100% of their number when two months prior, only 50% did, right? So the first thing that I think about is people, uh, in order for people to do really well, they need psychological safety. In order for people mm-hmm. to feel psychologically safe, they need to uh, trust, All right, The only way that people trust people is you need to build a relationship. So as a manager, you have to build a relationship with your people. Like that's the only way to do it, right? A legitimate relationship with your people. I think the best way to build a relationship with your people is to make sure that like, it's to try to seek to understand them as much as possible, and to make sure that they feel seen, heard, acknowledged, and understood. Like literally, that's, so the way that I think about doing this is there's, uh, there's there's a few different ways that we can go about this. So say you get somebody on your on your team. First thing that I do, first one first one-on-one I have with my people is we just do like a get to know you meeting. And I uh, got this topic or got this idea from a, 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 a former coworker of mine, um, uh, Jesse Sloan. And it would be like you and me, Jason, I'm like, Hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. I want you to talk for seven minutes and just tell me about your life. I'm not going to interrupt at all. I'm just going to sit here and take notes. And then I'm going to tell you about my life and I'm going to talk for seven minutes. Right. And then we'll have a conversation afterwards typically what you learn is like you you start to hear about like what are all the major influences in this person's life. <laughs> like you learn about like these pivotal moments in their life. There's an, and really what you're looking for is like what themes and what trends potentially exist and what, in terms of what they value and what motivates them and what drives them. And then I'll ask some questions afterwards. It also gives them an opportunity to get to know me. Right. So like number one, first one-on-one do that. Then there's a, the second conversation that I have with them to build this relationship is I make agreements with them. And so a lot of this, like, I, I don't know if y'all could tell, but Kevin Dorsey is probably like the single most influential person <laughs> in terms of like how I show up as a manager and a leader. So, yeah, um, yeah. So I remember, cause I had reached out to him and I was kind of like, Hey, like, how do I balance, like caring for my people, but also holding them to a high standard. And he's like, They're interchangeable. Like people want to be held to a high standard. That's actually how you demonstrate care. So things that I struggled with was kind of like getting consent for that. And what I mean by this is like, I don't want to be that a-hole boss who like nitpicks somebody and thinks that it's motivating them when really it's like crushing their soul. So I asked my team a set of questions. Hey, like, who would you rather work for? Someone who has high expectations, low expectations of you. That's a Katie thing, right? And so majority of time people say high expectations. Go, why, right? And what does it look like to have high expectations of you? What does it look like to have high expectations of you? if, um, Or I'll ask them, like, the next thing I'll ask them actually is, like, what, are, what kind of performer do you want to be? Not everybody wants to perform at 150%, right? Some people want to get to 100 and be done. And I go, that's fine great. Thank you. Right. So like, what kind of performer do you want to be? And they'll tell me what range they want to hit in. Then the next part of it, I'll go, all right, cool. What does it look like? Like, how do you want me to show up for you when you are pacing ahead of your goal? How do you want me to show up for you when you are pacing at your goal? How do you want me to show up for you when you are behind? Right. They literally give me a playbook of how they want me to show up. So like this to me is probably like one of the two super easy conversations that you can have to let somebody know I care about you enough to figure out how I can show up best for you as a person. And I realized that me showing up my best for you, Jason, is going to look way different than how, like my best, the best way I can show up for Jamal over here. Right. So I think like this makes them feel heard, understood, acknowledged seen all that other stuff. So like that's what I'll do on the like on the individual level. Right. And then I stick with it. Like, hey, you told me this is the kind of person that you want to be. Here's how you show me to like, here's how you told me to show up and I'm going to be consistent. Be consistent. Now that's how I'll do it like on an individual level. And then on a team level, I think about like what kind of team do I want to have and what kind of values do I want this, this team to espouse. Right. So for me, uh, I, I, I just tell people, I'm like, Hey, listen, we get better together and we're better together. Collective genius above all. So I set expectations for my team in terms of like, here's how I want y'all to show up, right? Do your best, ask questions, give feedback, right? Share what's working. And I will facilitate those conversations for you to do. But like, And, but along the way, we will all learn and get better together. And I think that to me is how I build a high performing team. It's got a great, healthy culture If people are not aligned to that values. And again, I make the values really clear and expectations really clear for what it looks like. And I'm like, you can't be part of the team.
0: Yeah, I love this. I love that you ask. A lot of this stuff is as simple as taking a genuine interest in a person and asking you know, how can I show up when you're behind or when you're not doing the thing that you said, like just asking how people like to be held accountable. And I'm one of those people I can, you know, just because of sort of how I was raised. My dad was a major hard ass. So I, that's okay with me. I actually respond kind of well to that. When, when anyone that's led me has been kind of a hard ass, a lot of people don't respond well to that.
1: No, I don't, <laughs> you know, no, I get pissed just, off. I it I resent, I resent yeah. your existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I'm like, tell me good job. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I am fiending for positive recognition. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. I work to get there. So I'm like, if I'm doing a great job and you meet me with like negative stuff, I'm like, I'm confused.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just understanding that I think is huge. I want to ask you about, cause we had talked about this in our prep. Um, you mentioned something about creating a high standard for black women. Oh, in yes. particular. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Creating a high standard for black women. I All right, so here's my thought. Um I wish there were more black women around me when I go into workplaces. Number yeah. one. Uh there is some data that shows that any, I think it's, like, at least a third of um, women of color, I think it's black women, uh, leave the corporate environment in their first one to three years of being in a corporate yeah. environment, right? So I'm like, cool, people will come into these environments, but then they leave, and a lot of times they, like, change industries or they just go and do their own thing. So uh, I don't – one part of me is, like – I'm really curious about. Um, well, I, I have my own experiences of people treating me like a dog, and me going and trying to advocate for myself. Like I'm like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm. I already told you, I'm competitive. Like I, I'm driven to succeed. All right, like I don't need somebody chasing after me with a stick to get me to do my job. I'm gonna yeah. do phenomenal work, and I like for the most part, I want all my bosses to get promoted too. So I'm like, listen, if you're doing well, I'm doing great. <laughs> so yeah. um and it's I, I think for me it's been it's been at times very disheartening because I you know, how to put this, I think there can be so many times that people will say, hey, like law of reciprocity, you know, like what you put out, you're gonna get back threefold. I'm like, man, even if I do my best, even if I'm the nicest person in the world, even if I try and be the best team player, right, I get, I've get i gotten walked all over at best. And so when I'm thinking about a higher standard, I'm not necessarily talking about, like, hey, how can black women have a higher, like, how can they hold themselves to a higher standard? But I'm thinking, how can companies hold themselves to a higher standard? Like, yeah. when you look around at your companies and you see no, like, it's a, the majority of the company is the same person coming from the same company, has the same background with the same yeah. school, like, is that the kind of standard that you want to hold yourself to? Yeah. You know, like that, that so then it's not just for black women either. Cause I, I thought to myself, I'm like the majority of the time, like black women, Hispanic women, like they're like the least represented in organizations. They're the ones who are on the very bottom of the barrel when it comes to um, compensation as well. When we think about the pay gap, it's the biggest with them. And, um, and I'm just like, I'll I'll hear I'll I'll hear uh, so I'm just like hey listen if we can make it better for people at the very bottom everybody wins literally every like, it's like a a rising tide raises all ships so I I'm I'm really really curious about like what gets in the way of companies and of leaders having a higher standard for themselves this is also why I'm really curious about the data and really curious yeah. about the culture so I think those two in coaching and training. So like I think if we do those two things really, really well, number one, managers and leaders get way better and they become more relevant. So what I was talking about, I was like, I want to be relevant to anywhere I go. And I also think about I want to be relevant to any kind of uh any kind of performer, any kind of professional, yeah. right? I'm like, this to me is so crucial. Cause I'm like, I think there's a time that's coming where leaders and managers who are not uh culturally competent who are not like uh human flexible is what i'll call it right now right like if yeah. they're only relevant to one demographic i think they're going to get weeded out like in the next five ten years
0: yeah i think but so, so too it's, it's uh it's weird it it's, it is weird yeah. um so i like, we
1: need, uh, we, i think the best the best thing that we can do is try and figure out solutions to number one, like for the people who can like rise up to the level of expectation that I think the market is driving us to like get them the equipment to be that much more effective now. And I think that's when you'll start to really be able to weed out the people who are in leadership positions who are, who are not leaders. You should have never been leaders. There's a lot of people up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's uh it's crazy. I appreciate you sharing all of this and I wish we had more time to dig into it. The comment that I have is that just to call myself out is I, until my wife, uh, she's Korean, she's from New York, you know, like melting pot of one of the melting pots in America. And she's the one that really kind of taught me a lot of the stuff around race and gender and things. And that was not until 2016, like 17, you know, yeah. so prior to that, I never noticed this stuff. Mm. Now it's odd to me when I hop on a training call with a company and everyone is a particular gender or race, Mm -hmm. it's like weird. You know what I mean? (laughs) It just feels really weird. And all of the data supports diverse sales teams have higher win rates, diverse in gender, diverse in race, diverse in socioeconomic background. And I agree with you. I, I think we're making a lot of progress with this, but I also think like, Until the next wave of leadership really gets into those senior, senior positions, because I still see a major lack of diversity, even in SAS at the VP level, like the VP level is like, you know, one type of person.
1: I, 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 this is, this is the horse that I, whatever, like this is the hill that I'll die on the horse that I'm going to ride until the sunset, whatever the phrase is, is I was like, Hey, I, I don't think that we solve like representation tomorrow, right? Like, I don't think it's that. But like, I think in order for representation, not just representation in terms of like having people from like underrepresented minorities in seat. Like, I want to also make sure when people get into seat, they excel and they thrive. Yeah. Like, again, there's questions that I ask to people of, how do you want me to show up for you? is because they have their own story. They have their own experiences that is hopefully not super duper trauma filled, but it's like, Hey, listen, if I'm, if I, I, as a manager have to recognize, I can be, I can be a source of trigger trauma for people. And I don't know that everybody recognizes that. Yeah. Like these are literally like people's like, I'm getting emotional. Like this is people's livelihoods. Like this is their ability. I'm like really emotional. I'm like this. Like I had a conversation with someone, and they were talking about wanting to build generational wealth for their yeah, family,
0: it's right? cool, right?
1: And taking fan yeah. and taking care of family that is in the Philippines, right? I'm like, there's so much to the people who are wanting to be in SaaS sales, and it's not just like, oh, I want to be the person with a flashy car. It's I want to be able to provide my family a life that I never had, and yep. so I'm like. I think with that, like we really are like shepherds for people and in order for us to actually lead people effectively and not lead them into danger. And I think that happens so often, so mm. often is like, we have to hold ourselves as managers, as leaders, as VPs to a much higher standard. And like, I think if we do that, we're going to have the best people. We're going to have the best brand. We're going to have the best product, Right. Like we're going to have the best advocates as well. And we're going to have the best customers too. And so, um, but I think we also have to like ask the questions like what's holding us back. And too often I've just seen it of like, Hey, it doesn't really seem like you care about this person and every, and and even if you tell me that you do your behavior, say something different Yeah. and how you give feedback and how much time you spend coaching people. And, Hey, like are you being specific in that feedback or not? Or are you like wi- like women most of the time like they're missing out on feedback because people are worried about their emotions so they miss out on opportunities to develop and with that promotions too. So I'm like yeah. the only way that we get better is if like we become more skilled in helping people get better. It doesn't matter who those people are. Yeah. I didn't mean to cry Love today, it. but like, I I, I I mean this, I, I literally, I, I yeah. care about people so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's obvious. And I appreciate you sharing. I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. I know we're up on time. Do you have like two more minutes?
1: I got, yeah, I got all the time for you.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, this has been awesome. Uh, so a couple of rapid fire questions and we'll kind of wrap up. My first one is a, just a fun question. We don't have to choose between these channels, but it's always kind of fun to ask. If you had yep. to choose between phone, email, and social for outbound, what do you pick and why?
1: Can I give you two answers? I know it's supposed to be rapid. Okay. So I personally, I like the phone the most, but I think social is where people are getting the hits right now. Like from a anecdotally, what I'm seeing was actually working the best social.
0: I mean, what is something you believe about sales that most would disagree with?
1: What is it that I believe? Honestly, I don't know if people would disagree with this. Sales is a lifestyle. <laughs> You're really, you can't just be getting into sales and not have the discipline to be in sales and organize your whole life around being a salesperson. <laughs> so like sales is a lifestyle.
0: Love it. And lastly, uh, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself as a rookie sales professional?
1: I was going to be such a jerk and be like, get out. No, just kidding. (laughs) 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 No, I, um, man, honestly, I think if I went back to my 24 year old self, I'd probably just say like, Like this one company, this one career, this one cold call, whatever, like just put it in perspective. I I think that's what I really, what I'd say to myself. Like I I wish that I I really like knew how to put things in perspective, like in the grand scheme of it all, that one time I absolutely bombed that one interview, like didn't take away from any part of my success. So yeah.
0: Love it. Love it. Um, before you take off, uh, and if you're listening, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Leave a Reading, all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah. Where can people go to get their hands on the SDR Manager Survival Guide? Where can people go to connect with you? All that good stuff.
1: Yes. So I'm pretty much only on LinkedIn, Gabrielle, GB Blackwell. And you can either like reach out to me directly and message me. Or uh, LinkedIn has that fun thing where like under your tagline, you can insert a link. And so I actually have a link in my profile that says like the new age leadership model. Just click on that. You'll get a bunch, you get a bunch of goodies, download it, tell your friends.